0: it is so great to be here in north carolina to be here in in raleigh durham you know it's interesting last night um, and yesterday was my wife's birthday and she turned 21 again praise the lord you know it's happened for 40 plus years it's amazing but um the opportunity that we had the pastor said you know you finished early tonight so why don't you just go ahead and take your wife out somewhere and i said wow what a great idea what do you like to eat? And I said, well, we've already eaten. So why don't we just like go out and get some ice cream? So he gave me a couple of places and we went to Fresh last. Now y'all ever been to Fresh? Do you think it's good? I thought it was great. If you've never been, you know, I'm not much for, um, you know, doing free advertising for somebody, but that place was great. But you know what I really liked about going to Fresh was, was Carrie. I had never, this first time I've ever been to Carrie. And I'm wondering why it's not Raleigh Carry or Carry Durham or something, you know, because it's just wonderful down there. I enjoy, we really enjoyed the old town feeling. And you know, my last name, if you guys saw it, maybe I'm going to say it again. It's Mick Crary. McCrary. We went to Ireland, uh, I guess it's been seven or eight years ago. And my family is from Ireland, from Northern Ireland. They, they came here. It's been a long time ago, a couple hundred years ago. But we were in Northern Ireland and kind of looking for a roots, you know, so we talk, started talking to people, and they said, oh, yeah, McCrary, of course we know McCrary, I said, well, are there any McCraries here, and he said, oh, no, <laughs> so I'm like, so you know McCrary, he said, yeah, actually, that has been changed, the mick is gone now, and I said, oh, so it's Crary, right, and he said, no, actually, it's, it's Cary, <laughs> and I said, that's interesting, you mean like Jim Cary, and he said, if you want to admit that, and I said, well, not necessarily, but yeah, that's, that's fine. So Cary, I think it you know, might have some Irish roots as well, does it? Does anybody here know? Who knows? Huh? Whatever. Anyhow, I, it's just, this is a great area. You all are so blessed, not just because of Cary and Raleigh-Durham and the names of these cities, but because it's already been mentioned here, it's an incredibly diverse Area as far as, as multiple people groups, and, and that's one of the emphasis that, that us missionaries, folks that have been called to do cross-cultural ministry, really focus on, on specific peoples. We focus on people groups because it's just so important to understand in order to lead people to Christ, you have to speak their language, you have to understand their culture, you have to be able to present the gospel in a contextually meaningful way to people, in a way that penetrates the heart. Because that's what Christ did. And we try to emulate Christ in all that we do. Christ preeminent. He's king of kings and lord of lords. The infinite God-man. You ever think about that? God and man together coming down to us. Coming down to you. Coming down to us. Living among us. You know, and and some of the people we're going to talk about got to know him personally. I mean, walked with him, you know, during the time that he was here for that short 33, 34 years, however you define time, which is a way above and beyond Jesus. Time to him is, you know, one second is like thousands of years. Thousands of years is like one second. We can't even begin to think about time from God's perspective. You know, as we think of time passing by, it's kind of like God already knew this. He knew it before. He knew it after. He knew it now. It's crazy. I mean, it, for me, it, it's beyond what we can understand, but he lets us get a glimpse in the person of Jesus Christ, when God became man and came to us. It's a, isn't it an amazing thing that this God-man, Jesus, came to die on the cross for us, and as, and as he walked with people, talked with people in their language. You know, he came to the Jewish race, Jewish, God's chosen people, lived among them, you know, was even did some cross-cultural work, you know, went to the Samaritans, you know, led the Samaritan woman to Christ, the well. So he actually did cross-cultural work. Of course, he left the ultimate culture. I mean, he lived in heaven. I mean, he was created the heavens and the earth, came from heaven down to earth. So he obviously did missionary work. And I've heard your pastor say, it, and I'm, certainly it's, a, it's in our life, he is a missionary God. God is a missionary God. All of us, I think in our lives, try to do our best to live like Christ don't we? Can I, can, we all, can I make that assumption with everybody here that knows Jesus? We try to live like Christ, right? You know, we really try to express his love to other people. We really try to, you know, of course we're not perfect and sinless like Jesus was, but we've all come to that point. If we know Jesus, that there was a point of repentance in our life where we turned and allow the Holy Spirit to direct our ways as much as possible, you know, as human beings, even, even the Apostle Paul, who, of course, is a great missionary as well, you know, wrestled with some of those same challenges that all of us do, that, that there's none righteous, no, not one. There was only one that was right. Jesus did it all, and he did it right. And so I'm going to share from a passage today that many of us are familiar with, and it's if you have your Bible, if you have your iPad, if you have your, let's say if you have your bible open it if you have your ipad or you have your telephone tap it to luke chapter 5 we're going to look at chapter 5 1 through 3 i think i have a powerpoint here somewhere and i i certainly I, yeah i'm going to do it why don't everyone stand and let's read the scripture together i know you stood a little while ago and you already sat down probably getting comfortable but, you know, this is God's word, and I want us to stand in honor of his word. So let's read together. I'll get out of everyone's, I guess we have it on both sides. I don't need to worry about it. All right, so let's read. Ready? Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genersat, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he would finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, And their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you'll be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, which never returns unto you void or empty. We know that it accomplishes every purpose for which it goes out. Father, we thank you for the truths that we see in your word. and We pray that you give each one of us open hearts, and open minds to learn from the Holy Spirit, our teacher. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, from this passage, we see Jesus always starts with Jesus. I start every sermon that I preach with Jesus because I'm here to preach Jesus. I'm not here to preach Peter, even though Peter's a very important person in this. But we're here to talk about Jesus and what he has done in this particular passage what he did with Peter's life and what he did with the other disciples life at that moment in time. And it was a moment in time recorded by Luke. Luke was, we believe not Jewish, but he was um, probably Greek. And he was a writer of this passage. He had received the information from people that he believed were faithful that gave him the information And he wrote it down. Probably got it from some of the disciples that were actually there. Probably got information from Peter. Maybe got it from James, John, other people that were there. Because there were a lot of people following Jesus at that moment in time. We see a multitude of people following Jesus. Passage begins with people following Jesus. This is early in his ministry. He doesn't even have his disciples called out yet. But there's already people following Jesus jesus people want to hear the word of god they've already heard about jesus performing miracles they've already heard about jesus casting out demons the scripture records all these things happening before this event in fact peter has already met jesus this is not the first time that jesus meets peter or that peter meets jesus peter was introduced to jesus by his brother andrew Andrew is kind of an interesting character. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever studied Andrew. Andrew is only mentioned like three times in Scripture. But every time he's introducing someone to Jesus, the same job Jesus has given to each one of us. Andrew, a very important guy, introduces Peter, who becomes, I think most people would say, a pillar of the church. Certainly a key player in the church at Jerusalem. And we see that Peter, Peter lived a perfect. Sinless life, right? I've seen who read the Bible before. No, Peter has fallen short. We'll see. I think that's amazing thing about the Scripture that we really, sh- it shows humanity. It shows that Peter and others in the Scripture, in fact, it's pretty amazing to think these great men of God, all of them, with the exception of just a couple of people that, that, that there's no revelation of sin in their life, Daniel being one and um, um, Enoch, I guess. A couple of people in the scripture, there's just no mention of them having any error in their life, even though they certainly did. Peter fell short a lot. Peter was introduced to Jesus by, by Andrew. And then shortly after that, Peter's mother-in-law the sick. Jesus went up there, healed her. So Peter already had a relationship with Jesus. So all these people that are following Jesus have heard, obviously have heard about Jesus, but they want to hear more. They're hungry and thirsty for the word of God. Are you hungry and thirsty for the word of God? You know, they, had the, they didn't really realize it. They knew he was a special man, but I don't think they realized, in fact, I know they didn't realize that he was actually God in the flesh. They didn't know about Mary and the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about Jesus' DNA. <laughs> you ever think about Jesus' DNA? Anybody understand DNA in here? I mean, it's like, his DNA, who is his father? God, the Holy Spirit of God. So, I mean, I had a. I know who my dad is. I know who my mom is, and I know the DNA. Came from a little bit from both of them. So the DNA that Jesus had, pretty special, right? You think? Yeah, it was. Peter didn't know that. The people that were following Jesus at that moment in time didn't know any of that. They knew he was special. So Jesus, wanting to feed the people with the Word of God, which he still likes to do today, that's still one of Jesus' main. Goals for each one of us because those of us that know Him have His Holy Spirit living within us and we become His representatives while we're here. And so it becomes our role to give the Word of God to other people, whether it be through preaching, whether it be through our lifestyle, whether it be through small group studies, whether it be through casting things out on the internet, whatever it is. Our role is the same as what Jesus' was, and he wants other people to hear the word of God. Yet, You know, there's still at least a third of the world, at least a third of the world, that do not even have an access to a Bible. They cannot even buy a Bible. Many of those people don't even have a Bible in their language in two thousand 22, right now, today, and no way to hear the word of God. That becomes our job. Just as Jesus was, had these people following him. People are hungry to hear the word of God. Jesus is willing to give it to them. However, he discovered, as he's standing there on the seashore of the uh, Sea of Galilee, Lake of Genesaret. Same thing, by the way, if you didn't know that. It's the same place. And it's a pretty good sized lake. It's 13 miles long, 7 miles wide, 220 some feet deep. I mean, it's not a small body of water. At that moment in time, there were probably maybe 200 boats out on the water. They'd finished fishing, as the scripture says. They finished fishing and they were already on the shore washing their nets. You finish fishing, you come in, you wash your nets. And if you had a catch, you'd start selling it. These are professional fishermen. Peter, James, John, that's what they did for their living. That's how they fed their families. They were professional fishermen. It's their job. But you still have all these other people that are not fishermen, but the scripture notes that when he arrived there, People were washing their nets. There were a whole bunch of people following him, but there yet there were these people out there washing their nets and a couple of boats sitting out there. So he's got people surrounding him. And you know, if I took this off and stood back in here and tried to teach you, it's a lot more difficult, isn't it, for people out here to hear? In those days, they didn't have electrical power. They didn't, we didn't have a way to amplify our voices. So Jesus sees a couple empty boats knows that his voice can be dispersed, that the, that the voice waves, the sound goes out much clearer sitting in a boat to people sitting on the shore, standing on the shore, listening to the word. I don't know if you've ever read this passage and wondered, well, why did Jesus want to get in the boat? Well, that's why. I believe that's why he wanted to get in the boat so more and more people, just as today, could hear his word. We're very blessed. Oh, you're so blessed. We are so blessed. We have this great, big, wonderful churches or medium-sized or even smaller churches, but we have a way in which to, to send our voice out for people to hear. We don't have to find a boat on the seashore to be able to, to share God's Word. We have amplification. We have buildings which, where, where we can do that. We have places, so many places, where we can share God's Word because people want to hear it. Many people have not yet had the opportunity to hear it, and they deserve to hear it. So Jesus gets in the boat, but before he gets in the boat, he talks to Peter. He talks to Peter, and he actually gives him a, a, a small commandment, more than a suggestion, but almost a request, and this is the first step. There, you were going to see a process of how Jesus works, and how each one of us that are making disciples those of us that are work looking for leadership within the church, those of us that are leading businesses, those of us that are leading families, all of us have leadership roles. Jesus is training Peter. Jesus is training James and John. Even the people on the shore get to see Jesus training, putting his heart into people that are, he wants to follow him. So he shares the word. We don't know what Jesus said from the boat. It's not recorded. If it were really important, I think we'd probably have it today. But it's not here for us to know. But he preached from the boat. He gave Peter a simple command. Put out a little bit from the shore. Put out just a little bit from the shore. An easy step. An easy step for Peter. Not knowing that he's going to become a disciple of Jesus. But Jesus, kind of a first little test. Is Peter going to, Peter fished all night. Jesus already knew this. Jesus being God knows everything, right? Take that. I think we'll all agree. Jesus knew that Peter fished all night. Peter's going to remind him in a few minutes. (laughs) I fished all night and he didn't catch anything. Already got his boat on the shore, probably maybe sitting out just a little bit. But if Jesus says put out from the shore, that means that it was pretty close to the shore. He had to go out a little bit. So they're already washing their nets. Professional fishermen, they put their stuff away for the night, basically, and they're finishing up. So he challenges them, just a little. Let me get in your boat and go out just a little bit. Peter complies. Step one, Peter says, yes, I'm willing. I'm making a little investment. Now let's remember, this is a boat that's made out of Lebanese imported cedar. It's come from Lebanon. It's imported into Judea, imported into Israel. Not inexpensive, in fact, very expensive. This is his investment for business and his nets. The nets are like 50 feet long, 20 feet deep. These are not little things. This is, it's a big job to clean the nets, big job to keep your boat clean and other things. Basically takes five people in a boat to go out and fish. You've got one person sitting at the front kind of directing things and then people throw the nets off the side and have to pull in the fish. Hopefully they pull in fish, don't always. So to put out a little bit from the shore, step number one, Peter complies. Jesus preaches. Then Jesus says to Peter, go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Seems pretty strange. You know, as we read that over, okay, you know, he's a fisherman. Why not go out and do it? Well, like I'd already mentioned, need five people. Peter, it's his boat. He's got to pay people a salary. Peter's got to make a, a, a little investment now. He's already finished for the night. Already cleaning the nets. And if you read this closely and you look at the Greek and so on, you'll see that really, this is almost a complaint that Peter says. He says, you know, we fished all night. But because you say so, I'll go ahead and try it. You know, he he does it, but I think I can safely say, I'm not sure his heart was completely in it. You know, you've got a carpenter. He knew his background. Jesus is a carpenter, you know, worked under his father, Joseph. He's just now starting a ministry. He's been doing this for just a little bit of time. Got some people following him. Peter wasn't one of them yet. Knew him. He had a relationship with him, which is so important as you begin a, 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 a ministry. There was a, already a relationship and in the culture where we served, relationship is everything. For anybody that speaks Chinese, that just is basically if you have a relationship, relationship has a strong relationship. But if you don't have a relationship, it really has a relationship. So that idea already, Jesus had a relationship with. Peter. Not a strong relationship, but Peter knew enough about him to kind of question. And remember, a professional fisherman, that's what he does, day in and day out, just finished. And got a carpenter tell him to go, hey, why don't you go out there and drop down the nets for a catch? Well, we tried that already, but I'll do it because you say so. So he went out and did it. Well, we know and we see step two. He challenged him, really quite a bit more. All of a sudden, there's, there is a, invest, a true investment of not only his time, but resources that he had to make. Because he's, this is what he does. I already mentioned he's got five people that go in this boat. So now he's got to go out with these men, not knowing for sure he's going to catch anything, but he does listen to Jesus. He does listen obey he hears jesus's words has enough belief to go he obeys him well he receives an incredible blessing as he lets down the nets for a catch he catches more fish than he ever imagined he was going to catch And I want everyone to catch this next part in this passage. It's very, very, I think very important. And it's very important for what I'm here today for. And very important for, I think, the future of of any church. Is that Peter, knowing that the catch was great. Knowing that the harvest was plentiful. Knowing that he had this incredible blessing. He called in partners for help. He called in people. He called in his partners to come and help. A very, very important principle in this passage. A lot of we miss that sometimes as we read through it, but when we read that closely, he calls in his partners to help bring in this catch of fish. So, not only is Peter and his folks in the boat blessed, but now he's brought in other people because he obeyed Jesus. In the second step, you obeyed the first step, put out a little bit, let Jesus preach. Second step, Jesus said, go out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. He did that. He obeyed the second time. So two tests of his faith. First one, just go out a little bit. Maybe in the church, the pastor asked you, hey, can you help put up the chairs after church? Something real simple. Maybe you're leading people At work, you just hired somebody. And you give them a simple assignment to do. Do they do it? Complete it? If so, as a leader, you'd want to give them the next step, something a little bit more challenging for them, something that they have to do a little bit more work on and see that they do that well. Just as we do as we go through school and so on, get a little bit more, get a little bit more, a little bit more, and finally you get to the point where you can be trustworthy with it all. And we see that we can't always do it on our own. We need helpers to come alongside us through this. And that's exactly what Peter did. Jesus, Jesus, of course, knew that they were his partners. So he called those partners in, and they all now had enough fish for at least a couple boats. There may have been more, I don't know. I only mentions a couple. So they all now had additional resources that they didn't have prior to listening to Jesus. If they would have, if Peter would have said, you know, man, Jesus, we fished all night last night. You know, this is my job. You go work on wood. He didn't do that. He listened to him. But before he listened to him, and I think all of us have this at different times, there was a crisis of faith in Peter's, Peter's life at that moment. I mean, he did question He said, you know, I fished all night last night. But because you say so, I'll give it a shot. Because you say so, I'll go. So he did. But he complied. Crisis of faith, he complied. Committed his time to go and do that. So they bring the fish in to the shore as they're doing that all of the fishermen that were there were just amazed because they'd fished all night and these were professionals jesus wasn't a professional fisherman but peter's response and i think we all see this in there he confessed his his sin he said leave me i'm a sinful man He realized something very unique about Jesus at that moment in time. He realized something, as we see later on in scripture, that he's the one that says, how can you're the son of God? You know, he's really the first one to confess some of these things. He realizes at that moment, that something very special. He sees a miracle happen really in front of him. Jesus being all knowing, knew that there were fish out there. Jesus having total control over, the heavens and the earth, who knows? He could have just called those fish in, seriously, whatever. But he, Peter realized that. But I think Peter was confessing for not believing Jesus' word in the beginning. He said, leave me, I'm a sinful man. Well, the only evidence of any kind of sin that he committed was kind of a doubt right there. I believe that it was, he was confessing that he doubted what Jesus had said just a few minutes before that, before he went out. So Peter confesses his sin and then Jesus, being the good shepherd, being the infinite God man, lover of our souls, told him to fear not. (laughs) We see that. A lot in Scripture. I, I just have to try to think about what Peter was thinking at that moment. You know, when when he saw all this come down, and then he realizes who Jesus is—that he has some sort of special ability to overcome you know, the challenges of. of of not having fruitful work, which is what had happened to him the night before. He had the ability to overcome that for him. It's a whole different perspective. We'll talk about that in a second, on the economic impact of Peter's obedience. I don't know if you've ever thought of it from that perspective. But Peter was a professional fisherman. This is what the man did day in and day out. Really, there were three kinds of fish that they caught. They caught tilapia. Who likes to eat tilapia? Maybe you'll admit it, maybe not. I like it. You know, my sister says, you shouldn't eat that stuff, and I'm kinda like, okay, I'm gonna eat it anyways. But um, I think tilapia's okay, but it's probably not one of the, it, it, it's a, Jesus ate it, so it's good enough for me. But they also caught carp, and they also caught catfish. So, they'd have to separate them when they got to the shore. The Jews would buy tilapia because it didn't have, you know, it wasn't a bottom feeder like the other two were. The other two kinds of fish they would sell to the Greeks and the Romans. And so it was business. It's what they did. When it came in, they sold their fish. They didn't have any of that before Jesus came along that day. I mean, I don't know what it was like two or three days before that, but every day was worthwhile just like it is for us when we work, and if we have a shop or something, we need to sell things. It counts, doesn't it? Every day. It brings income so I can feed my family. Peter fed his mother-in-law, fed other people that were around him. James and John fed people based upon their catch. So because Peter obeyed Jesus, there was an incredible economic impact. All of those families now had resources, resources. Not only did they have fish to eat in their own household, but they had fish to sell to the Greeks and to the Romans and to other Jews that lived there at that moment in time. Had Peter not obeyed, wouldn't have had that stuff. So they wouldn't have had stuff to sell. And you know what? The community where they lived wouldn't have had fish to eat. And so it is with each one of us in our obedience. When God asks us to do something, even if it's the small thing, just put out a little bit from the shore. Just help do something small around the church. Just do what your boss has asked you to do, even if it's small and seems meaningless. We do the small things, and we're faithful with the small things, we'll be faithful with the bigger things. That's just the way life is if we choose to, for whatever reason, we don't believe that our boss is telling us to do the right thing, and we say, I think I know more than he does, well, we become potentially like a Peter. But Peter did obey, and Peter did do it. And many people, not just Peter, not just Peter's family, but James and John and their family, the community of people that lived there, all were blessed because of one man's obedience. And you know It's the same thing with us. When we learn something, when, when God speaks to us, sometimes it's just this, uh, our past, God speaks through His people at times too, certainly through His Word, sometimes through His people. Sometimes they ask us to just do a small thing. Are we too busy? Or do we know more than they do and feel like that's not worthwhile? You know, we have to ask ourselves that sometimes. I know I have to ask myself that sometimes. Really important. It's just the practical aspect of what I think God was teaching us through this. Why is it so important to be obedient to those in authority above us? Why is it so important to be obedient to what Christ teaches? Our parents, I can keep going on, teachers, it just goes on and on. Well, because it, it teaches us that it, if we're faithful with the little things. We'll be faithful with bigger. If God can trust us with just the little things, putting out from the shore, going out a little bit into the deep, Then he can trust us with the big things. What is the big things in this story? At least in my opinion. The big things in this story, when Jesus said, fear not, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's a big thing. All of a sudden, his investment in the boat, his investment in the nets, his investment in the people that were working for him. He's got to put all that down and now follow Jesus, not knowing what the next step is going to be. That is a big step, right? Anybody agree that's a big step? That's a really big step. I mean, everything Peter knew, all of a sudden now he's truly taking that big step. And we see later on he takes a step out of the boat. Why does he step out of the boat? Because he wants to be with Jesus. Not because he wants to perform some kind of big miracle. He wants to get out of that boat to walk over towards Jesus because Jesus is there and he loved Jesus. He wanted to be with him. It's a different story. Maybe next time I'm here, I'll preach that one. But that's, I I believe we see Peter's life constantly being tested with his faith. And here we see he puts down everything and follows Jesus. So as, as we do, as we work through discipleship, what discipleship pieces can we take home from this? What discipleship pieces can we see from this? I'm going to maybe throw three out at you. Number one is if you're faithful with the little things, you'll be faithful with the bigger things. You know, as we are training people, and I hope all of us are training somebody in some way, if if you're not proactively doing it, you're doing it through your lifestyle, you're doing it somehow you're training other people hopefully you're training them to become closer to jesus to become more obedient to jesus to hear his word to believe his word to be obedient to his word so that others become blessed so we see an easy simple step as we're training people first thing we do is teach people something simple that everyone can do you're going to be able to succeed that's why it's so important. Anybody that's a believer, it's very important for you to just have your simple testimony down. That's like the most basic of our faith. Be able to share your testimony. I was this way before I met Jesus. It's like Peter. I didn't really believe his words. Hadn't even heard his word very much. But then Jesus came into my life. I believed him. And he did all these amazing things and changed me. I was transformed. We see all of that in this passage. We see. Peter transformed from someone who kind of doubted him to someone who becomes incredibly blessed and blesses other people all around him. Happens quickly when Jesus is in it. But it starts with something simple. And then we work with things that are a little bit more challenging. So you can share your testimony. Praise God, I've heard it. It's awesome. My, the next challenge is, can you share your testimony five times this week with somebody? Just five times with, with people you know. Can you do that? Would Jesus want us to do that? I think so. As long as Jesus is in it, it glorifies his name. It gives people an opportunity to hear. So the, that's the type of discipleship. So that's a little bit more challenging, right? So baby step, a little bigger step, just as Jesus did. You go out into the deep, put out from the shore, now go out into the deep. Then he challenges them with, The life. Are you going to follow me your entire life? Are you willing to put down all that you know to follow me? I mean, that's that's what Jesus is doing here now with Peter. That's what he's done with Peter in this passage. He asks him now to follow him. So I would mentioned already, and I'll mention it one more time, all of the people that were blessed through Peter's obedience. obedience to Jesus' words. Peter heard Jesus' words. Go ahead, next slide, please. Can I move it, or how's that work? Okay. Peter heard the word of God. Next one. Peter believed the word of God. Peter obeyed the word of God. Real simple stuff. all shown in this passage. He hears. All the people on the shore heard. Peter believed God. He believed Jesus. He believed the word. The word became flesh. The word of God, according to the gospel of John, word became flesh and lived among us. Jesus was the living word of God. Every word he spoke was the word of God because he's the infinite God, man, right? And he obeyed God. You know, he really only gives five little commands here put out a little from the shore, let down your nets for catch. Fear not, follow me. You know, some simple stuff. Follow me is a little bit more difficult. So let's go back to the number of people that were blessed because of Peter's hearing Jesus, Peter's believing Jesus, and Peter ultimately obeying Jesus. Okay, Peter was blessed, he had lots of fish. Peter's partners were blessed. They had lots of fish, able to sell, support the families. Community was blessed because of Peter's obedience. They now had fish to eat, they had more fish to eat. Peter's lifestyle, Peter's life becomes recorded in Scripture. So in a very, very real way, Because Peter obeyed at that moment in time. You and I are still receiving blessings because of Peter's obedience. You ever thought about that? This is the beginning of really Jesus' relationship with Peter. Peter goes on, as we see, he's one of the main characters throughout the uh, four Gospels. He's there when, um, after Jesus', well, sees Jesus die on the cross. There's just so many stories about Peter, I'm not going to mention them all. He's also the one at the seashore again, fishing. (laughs) He's a professional fisherman. When all things seem to go sideways for him, he's back out there fishing again, right? And then Jesus intersects his life one more time, forgives him for denying him. So Peter becomes his main character throughout scripture. And all of these lessons we learn from Peter, again, it begins right here because of his commitment, because of his hearing Jesus believing Jesus and obeying Jesus right there, a little from the shore. Go out, drop your net. Now come, follow me. And the follow me part just becomes so big that not only does he become one of his key three people that he really pours his life into, that Jesus pours his life into, but he also becomes one of the writers of scripture. The Holy Spirit of God speaks through him, speaks to him. He records it. And it becomes 1st and 2nd Peter. And so you and I, anybody ever read 1st and 2nd Peter? Yeah? I hope so. If you haven't, go ahead and make, take the time to do it because it's fantastic, deep doctrinal stuff. Peter was a professional fisherman. <laughs> Only the Spirit of God could have spoke to him and allowed him to write that scripture for us 2,000 years later to have impact in our life. So Peter, because of his obedience, we're still being impacted Now. Now, because of his obedience. So Peter follows, Christ puts all his stuff down. All of his worldly investment follows Jesus. And the rest is all written in scripture, and you can look it up. But each one of us, because of one man's obedience, and I just want to ask you, because of your obedience, how many people are going to be blessed? I just want to tell you, there's going to be many. And the other side of that is disobedience. I know it didn't happen, but what if Peter wouldn't have put out a little bit from the shore and allowed Jesus to do that? Jesus wouldn't have had the opportunity to say, now put out in the deep. And it wouldn't have had an opportunity for his partners to come alongside. The people in that community would not have had those fish. We may not even have had First and Second Peter. I know God is sovereign. This was all planned in advance, but I think these lessons are there for each one of us to learn that our obedience counts. So I want to challenge each and every one of us here today, me included. You know, what are the small things that God is asking you to do here in this church? I heard some this morning. Go to the church, how many weeks from now? Two weeks from now, go to that church, kind of check it out. Don't say I'm here from rooted church and evaluating. No. Just enjoy. Enjoy the worship. You know, see what God says to you. Small step of obedience doesn't really cost much. Maybe he's asking you to do a little bit more. Maybe God is asking you. Maybe the pastor's asking you. Maybe put out into the deep. Take the resources that I've trusted you with. I'm not asking you to leave all your resources behind and go to mainland China, not asking you to do that yet. I'm just asking you to go out in the deep and try this test. I'm testing you. Now you test me. If God is asking you to do something like that, maybe he's wanting to go on a short term mission trip here in, right here in North Carolina. Maybe he's wanting you to work at a mission downtown feeding home. I don't know who knows only God and you know what he's asking you to do. But it's that step of obedience that he is asking all of us to do, there's something out there that he wants you to do. Maybe you're not doing yet. Or maybe you're already doing it. Maybe you are out in the deep. Maybe you've already had that catch. Maybe you need to motivate your partners to come alongside, maybe. I mean, that's, what, that's probably what my biggest role is now. So what Beverly and I do is we ask our partners to come alongside the catch. There's still multitudes of people multitudes of people that want to hear the gospel but they don't have an opportunity yet there are people that actually have the gospel they want more teaching they need more training they're willing to hear it we can do it on zoom there are ways in which we can do it maybe god's asking you to do that maybe you speak another language and and this particular people group that you can speak to i can't speak to maybe 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 you have the special skills and and we could use that on Zoom to help to equip and to train them so that they can be a part of that catch. A great catch of people. I don't know. God is asking. Maybe. Maybe like Peter and James and John. Maybe God is saying, put all this stuff down and come follow me. That could mean house, home. Sell it, go a people group that God is calling you to. Go to another country that God is calling you to. Maybe he's asking you to do that. God asked my wife and I to do that 30 years ago. That great catch of fish was already happening. I mean, we were seeing great things happen in Wonder Park. It was great in Florida. We were seeing people saved. We were, you know, part of a missions committee, seeing God do great things right there. And we were thanking him for it. We were excited. But then he said to us, put all that down, come follow me. And it was to another place on the other side of the world. We didn't, it didn't matter. The cost was inst- didn't make any difference. It was when he said it, we were willing to do it because he had shown himself strong in all of those other areas. We'd seen him already do great and mighty things. You see God do great and mighty things when you proclaim his name. If you don't proclaim his name to other people, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, you won't see him do great things. When you share the gospel, when you talk to people about Jesus, when you're leading people to Jesus, you see God is using you at that moment in time. You see miracles happen. Just saving a soul. You think it's miraculous? I do. The fact that God would come into my life, a sinner like me, any of us for that matter, miracle in itself. But For God to work through you to do his work of reconciliation is an amazing thing. That's enough to just say that I'm amazed. Just like Peter did. You know, the fact that you would use me to do something like that. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus knows we're sinful already. He says, come follow me. Same exact message to each one of us every day. Regardless of what you've done in the past, regardless of your doubt, regardless of the situation that you were in, the sin that you've committed, fear not. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And so that's the message from this passage of Scripture. And that's kind of what God put in my heart for each one of us today. And I'm going to kind of end with an opportunity for you to respond. I'm I'm not going to ask for everyone to come forward, or anything like that. But I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your head, and in your heart of hearts, I want you to just ask God what is, where am I in that process of, of being your disciple? Am, am, am I, do I just need to get in the boat and go out a little bit? You, I've already done that, maybe I need to, you're asking me to go out into the deep, maybe you're asking me to do something a little bit more, maybe you're asking me to put everything down that I know and take a huge step of faith and, and, and follow you wherever you ask me to. So just take a moment right now and, and, and talk to God and see what it is He's asking you to do. He's saying today, fear not. There's no reason to fear. I know you, I know who you are. And I have a plan for you. And if you're obedient, you will be blessed. Others around you will be blessed. The nations will be blessed. Heavenly Father, you are the lover of our souls. You're the one that knows all about each one of us. You know the plans that you have for us. Father, I take each person here today and place them in your hands and pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them on how, when, where you would have them serve you, how you would have them hear your voice, believe what you say, obey what you say, and be open to receive all the blessings that you have. them. Thank you, God, that you have given us the privilege to hear your word, to believe your word, to obey your word. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.